Hello, hello, and welcome to Podcast Dark Elevation. I am your host, Dirk Elevation. Hey, do I sound clearer this episode? I certainly hope so, because I am using an actual audio studio to record this week's podcast, rather than screaming into my AirPods. I don't know how this will come out. I hope it sounds good. I assume everything will be picked up, because it is such a higher quality of a microphone, so a lot of creaking noises, a lot of typing noises are going to come up. Uh, gulping, certainly. I've absolutely burped in ways that did not make it onto the podcast because the audio quality was previously not very good. But we're going to try this one out. We're going to see how it sounds. I hope it sounds crisp and clear and like the type of thing that you would like to keep listening to as opposed to how some of our previous episodes have sounded. We should just get right into it, shouldn't we? We will start off with the episode of Dark Elevation, number 71. This was recorded in Rochester with last week's Dynamite. Uh, surprisingly few. I, I expected to see a few more of the upstate New York guys that I have become accustomed to seeing a lot in Worcester. Did not really see much of that, but certainly we did see some... Some good stuff, I think. And we start with Emi Sakura defeating Paris Van Dale in three minutes and three seconds. Paris Van Dale, I think, is very sort of nondescript in a way that you want a enhancement talent who gets other wrestlers over to be. She's athletic, but not too athletic. She's sort of just the right wrestler size. She doesn't have very flashy gear. So certainly, I, and I'm, I don't mean this as a knock, and I don't know if this is a conscious choice she makes as an enhancement talent and maybe does different things when she is doing her own types of shows or, or shows where she's being more of a featured star in as opposed to something like this where she is enhancement. But... It worked out. It it helped showcase Emmy here. Emmy, it's hard to remember now, that, but the first AEW show I ever went to, I thought Emmy Sakura was the standout woman on that card way back when on episode two of Dynamite. But she sits here doing something. I mean, she's getting the wins. They, they never do too bad for her for too long she does get 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 to do relatively good performances it's just yeah it's curious i don't know i don't know what they want to do with her but i'm not going to complain about her getting some time maybe she's just there to help enhance the the show maybe she's she's there to train maybe she she just gets some matches because she enjoys the love of the game so much, I I can't say for certain, but good good for you, Emmy, continuing to get the wins. It, it, she is sort of there in the back pocket. If they ever really needed somebody to step up, I'm sure that she would be more than capable, more than able. Interesting, actually, now that I say this, that we've never seen uh, Emmy versus Jade Cargill, which certainly people of less prestige have gotten to challenge for the TBS title, less prestigious than... Emmy, and she has the type of veteran experience that you'd expect 
you'd want to pair with a, a, a new a relative newcomer like Jay Car Jade Cargill. So maybe they're just holding her out to use in situations like that. Uh, that would that would be one example, but maybe there are others. Maybe we'll see her fight, I don't know, Paige Van Zant somewhere along the lines and help her get acclimated to this fine sport. Dante Martin defeats J.D. Drake in 7 minutes and 13 seconds. This is a very ideal level of Dark Elevation match. This is an exciting match. It is two people who have their own entrance. You don't expect J.D. Drake to win, especially if you're watching at home and you realize that his record is 4-40, and 40, which, oh bad, I did not know that things were going so poorly for Mr. John Dillinger Drake. And uh, he, he didn't, so he doesn't win here, but he gets some really good power in against Dante Martin. Dante eventually pulls it off, but it takes quite some time, and J.D. Drake looks very powerful. I don't know if there's a plan to separate him from the wingman. I don't know. There was no wingman uh, ringside for this, which is understandable. They probably have a lot of things to do. They're probably very, very busy being a dangerous night's crew. And poor JD drew the short straw and he doesn't get to go out and party. He has to go lose to Dante Martin. But he put up a valiant effort and I do always enjoy seeing JD Drake and this is the type of match that as an opening contest pre-recording of Dynamite, I would be like, all right, very cool. It, it, reasonable to believe that this was a back and forth and it's between two guys of different styles so i i enjoyed this i i enjoyed this quite a bit i would say i also enjoyed julia hart defeating jc who i looked this up and i know i don't usually do research but this was pre-watching dark elevation i had to find out who jc is why are they going by jc they usually go by J.C. Storm, and for whatever reason, they felt like it would be more prudent for them to just go by J.C. losing this match, where she just gets very scared by Julia Hart. Julia Hart doesn't show off too much here in terms of in-ring work, but there is some beautiful character work going on with Julia Hart in terms of just intimidating opponents, looking very scary juxtaposing the previous gimmick of the of the cheerleader the adult cheerleader adult meaning she is she's an adult she's not a child i don't mean like an adult cheerleader like that's somebody's fetish or something like that but although it probably is somebody and frankly that is a good enough reason why it was time for her to move on to something bigger and better like former cheerleader turned goth Julia Hart. I wonder if she'll take on any other high school stereotypes in the coming years. One can only wait and see if she becomes a theater kid, perhaps an adult theater kid. Oh, talk about a heel gimmick, an adult theater kid wrestler. Jeez Louise. But she could be a a, a burnout druggy kid. She could be a, a punk rocker. There's plenty of of teenage stereotypes. She can run the whole sort of Breakfast Club gamut in terms of possible gimmicks for her going down the line. But for now, 
Goth Julia Hart is working. She didn't have to show off too much here to get the gimmick absolutely over, and I am excited to see more of it in the coming weeks. Ethan Page. Uh, and by the way, let's let's get some Julia Hart on, on Dynamite or on Rampage. If the gimmick is working this well, it should get some, some time. And, and the House of Black in general gets some time. Throw Julia in there. It'll be good for her and it'll be good for for their promos. She's probably she'll probably be a little bit more direct than Malachi is about what the hell she's talking about. Ethan Page defeats Colin Delaney in five minutes and ten seconds. I guess a lot of people know Colin Delaney from his time in the WWE revival of ECW. I did not watch very much of that. That is a, a, a big part of my gap years where I was not watching. So I know Colin Delaney mostly from his work in and around Beyond Wrestling in Worcester, Massachusetts. I don't know if I've mentioned that before, but another big shout out to Worcester. It's a big month for for Central Mass and and non-Boston wrestling shows because we've got Dynamite coming up in Worcester in a few weeks and we have Ring of Honor in Lowell. So I mean I would not put those two so close together, but hey, clearly Massachusetts does something for Tony Khan and his wrestling brands because he, he's giving them the ups they deserve. Why don't we get a, a whole dark tapings in Fall River next? You want me to? I can keep naming Massachusetts cities, but I won't because I want to give credit to Ethan Page and Colin Delaney. Had some fun here. Colin never really looked like he was going to win, but he got... He looked like enough of a competitor that it looked impressive for Ethan Page, who I don't know what his plan is. I wonder where the men of the year go from here now that Scorp does not have the TNT title any longer. I I'd be okay with not I know that I know that Scorpio is is injured. He's probably gonna take some time off. Which is good. I I think that'll also make things easier for being more direct of Ethan Page. Ethan Page can can grow on his own without being second fiddle to Scorpio. Because he, whether he wanted to be or not, just in terms of win-loss record and in terms of longevity with AEW, it was going to be hard for Ethan Page to not be second fiddle. And if he started to jump ahead of Scorpio, then I think people would be like, oh, but when Scorpio's chance going to be to shine? So he didn't really ever have a chance. But now with Scorpio spending some time on the mend, I think this will be good for Ethan Page to grow. How does Dan Lambert fit into this? Uh, awkwardly, certainly. And hopefully, with this little interruption of larger storylines and important stuff as possible because as we know Ethan Page can talk on his own and he's a much better heel than Dan Lambert so I'd be okay with just Ethan doing his own thing God willing and uh, just one more thing about the whole Colin Delaney and everyone going oh hey it's Colin Delaney from ECW guess what that's the type of thing that wrestlers get to do when they get to use their name and get to leave with their name and people get surprisingly excited when they see them again out in the non-WWE world Oh, it's Colin Delaney. I remember him. And that is the exact type of thing 
that WWE is trying to avoid happening ever again with their giving people names like Glorb Dorcas or whatever EC, uh, NXT names people are getting these days. So the joy you had saying, hey, is that Colin Delaney? Is that the same Colin Delaney? All the people who had that joy. WWE is directly trying to remove that joy. I just mentioned that again because, as always, this show is about the wrestlers more than anything. And when we support the wrestlers, we support the wrestlers being able to continue to make money with the name that they made somebody else a whole lot more money with. They made that name, Colin Delaney, even if he was just mostly an enhancement type of guy, a mid-to-bottom-tier WWE ECW guy, his name made Vince a lot of money. And Vince probably hates that he's one of those guys who gets to continue to now make a small amount of money with that name instead of being given a, a short name like um, uh, Goofus, Goofus Gallant, and then having that name forever tied to the WWE universe and then has to wrestle as Colin Delaney and nobody notices until it's too late. Oh, is that the guy who used to be Goofus Gallant? That doesn't, that doesn't help anybody. And as I said, this is a pro worker podcast. And if you would rather be pro company than worker, get the hell out of here, but wait until the ad break before you do. There's no ad break yet, but keep listening. Anna Jay defeats Shauna Reed in one minute and 50 seconds. I said that Anna looked a little bit slower last week. I feel like she got her groove back this week. The move where she drops her opponent straight into the Queen Slayer is looking better and better. It's it's getting smooth. I Again, I want to see where we go with Anna Jay from here. I saw some people on Twitter or or somewhere suggesting that Christian is going to get involved in Anna Jay on account of her real-life relationship with Jungle Boy. I, I don't know how I feel about this. I've stated that I don't want Jungle Boy and Anna Jay to become a thing because I don't want the women of AEW to be defined by their significant others. But... Uh, just because of the nature of Christian's current gimmick, I wouldn't hate that as much. But it certainly would not give Anna Jay very much to do. I will say that. She would... There's no Christian-aligned woman for her to make this a, a feud with, which is part of the whole problem. I do still think it would be very interesting to, to fit Anna Jay into the Ty Conti, Ruby Soho rivalry that is developing because she has a place in there but they don't seem to know what they're doing with the main two people of that rivalry yet because we don't have a match announced or anything like that so suffice to say we can't add a third member into that until we know what the basis of the of the first part of that is or the first two parts so Hopefully we we get that started. Again, this is the bottleneck that I'm always talking about. There's no reason why we shouldn't have that match booked already. Even if it's for next week's Fighter Fest. Even if it's maybe we're going to do 
Eddie and Ruby versus uh, Sammy and Ty first before we get to that. There's There should be some trajectory that we are seeing the first parts of now. She did the thing to, to Ruby's arm that we all saw that didn't really work because the, they made the decision to not have any of the members of the Jericho Appreciation Society hold Ruby's arm in place while it was closing the door. And I think that that's generally, as long as you're committed to not doing intergender wrestling, I think that's the right move to do in that situation. But it could have looked better if the, if there was another party involved there that made it make sense. Then, yeah, um, I I feel bad because every time I talk about Anna J, Anna J is a lot of ways a a Rorschach test for the larger women's division in terms of how you think Anna J is being used. Ends up becoming a conversation about the women's division on the whole. But she's going to be facing. Serena Deeb tonight, I think that's excellent. I think that'll be great. I think that that's where Anna Jay is right now. We saw the same thing where she was starting uh, Jade Cargill's streak and then also being the person for Jade Cargill to face at the... Uh, what was the last one? Uh, double or nothing? So she, she is in that place where... She looks like a quality win for any of the the heels, so I think Serena Deeb versus versus Anna J will be good. It'll be fun. And then we get best friends versus the factory. Aaron Solo and QT Marshall, best friends win in nine minutes and forty seconds. It, hey, I guess the Dark Order because they got to be on the main show doing something. They didn't have to, they, even though they did not wrestle, and they did sort of the exact opposite of what I've been calling for them to do, because I've been saying, hey, they're doing nothing, let's break them up. And then instead they said, we're staying here, and also doing nothing. <sighs> so Dark Order did not have to be in the main event of Dark Elevation this week, as they are usually the best friends got that role instead. The best friends are are fun. It's it's fun to have him back. I think I I still like Rapongi Vice better than the best friends, but that's not really fair to Chuck Taylor because the work that they do is very different, and it really speaks to the power of Trent Beretta that he can sort of move back and forth between those two factions or between those two tag teams under the under the chaos. Uh, umbrella. The factory, of course, they are going to stay. If it's not, if the Dark Order can't be in the main event, the factory has to be. I don't know what would happen to Dark Elevation if one of those two was not in the main event. But, you know, they continue to do the work that they do. They, they're, they're good as heels. The the crowd likes to hate them. I I think that you can't blame them for that. You can't blame them for always being able to make the crowd excited about who they're facing. I just wish that they got placed in other places on the card. I think that Dante Martin versus J.D. Drake is a far more fascinating 
Elevation main event. And I know that the Elevation main event does not mean anything. It means nothing. But if you want to give something sort of an elevated place on the card, which is what they do, whether they want to or not, by always putting these two sort of right below the Dynamite level tag teams always in that main event, then the more fascinating matchup would have been Dante Martin versus J.D. Drake. Although J.D. Drake is part of the wingmen, and the wingmen also end up in a lot of dark and dark elevation main events. So, but who cares? The point being, the best friends won. And we like the best friends, don't we, folks? On to dark number 152, recorded live in Universal Studios, Orlando, Florida. I like to believe it was the same stage where Figure out, figure it out, or all that were recorded. Because that's all I think of when I think of that. Is old Nickelodeon shows used to always end with that recorded live in Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida. Universal Studio, and they had the Nickelodeon thing. They don't even have the Nickelodeon part of Universal Studios anymore. What the heck? We start out not anywhere near. Florida, not even anywhere near Universal Studios. We start out in Japan at a TJPW show where AEW women's champion Thunder Rosa loses in a match against Miyu Yamashita. I apologize for my extremely ignorant pronunciation of many Japanese names. I'm trying my best. I believe the way that it's pronounced is Yamashita. And we've seen me before and oh boy, did this also live up. She she beats Thunder Rosa in 1339. This match ruled. This was great. This is beyond the le- I I have a certain like a certain level of what I expect from Dark and Dark Elevation, this was pay-per-view quality. I mean, and it was because it was on a TJPW pay-per-view. This this ruled. It was awesome. And and Miu won, so now she gets to be the number one contender. Now she gets to challenge Thunder Rosa at at some later date. I assume that on as Miu won in Japan. Thunder Rosa will win in the U.S. Both will end up looking very good from the feud. Maybe while Mio's over here, she'll get some more feuds in. I I hope there's a lot to certainly a lot to like about what happened here, and that's because it's good. A lot of times, I shouldn't say a lot to like because usually that's me sort of hedging expectations because sometimes stuff on dark is is, you know, it's likable in its context. There is no context where this is not a banger of a match. So, and some some dweeb out there is probably, oh, I felt like it was not, it didn't do enough. It's cool. Thunder Rosa's cool. Miyu, Yama, Miyu Yamashita kicks the shit out of people, really smacking them with that foot there. And the ending was one where it was fluky enough that you got the win. Everybody was probably really excited there. They're not allowed to do anything other than clap. I think that rule just got reversed recently. 
But up until recently, the fans were not allowed to do anything other than clap. So it's hard to tell how much they enjoyed this, but I am led to believe that they had a lot of fun, as I did. They have a good eye for wrestling there, and I am a huge dumbass, but I I like to think I know when I've seen something good, and I believe I saw something good here. And this, this is a good way to give Thunder Rosa an opponent for the upcoming weeks, and now we don't have to have Thunderstorm turn on each other, we don't have to find a way to get... Marina Shafir and Nyla Rose into the picture again. The, we don't have to find some kind of weird workarounds or anything like that. The The tag team stuff can continue to go. I think it's great. I think we should get more Thunderstorm in the coming weeks. I think that would be a good use of of Thunder Rosa while we await her number one contender's arrival in the U.S. again. So I I think that this works really well. I think that if you want to just continue to focus on tag teams at the upper upper half of the of the roster in the in the championship scene, as as you might say, keep it up. We we've. We don't have to worry. We have something to anticipate, and it's this rematch. So you have a little bit more room to play and use it. Use that room and also use some of the room that you're not currently using, that you're wasting on other stuff. Give these women some place to play. I like this. I'm having fun. We also have Private Party defeating Bear Country. This was fun. This was good. I would like this match a lot more if we had not just seen. I, I I got a lot of things wrong on the last episode of Podcast Dark Elevation. And not that I got them wrong as in I didn't say the right thing. I think that AEW did the wrong thing. Because they're not predictions. I don't I don't usually make predictions. I just you could say what I do is fantasy book. Sometimes I predict. Sometimes I will take credit when I get something right. But when I get something wrong, it is certainly not my fault. Because I thought we were going to build up Bear Country on Dark for a while. But nope. Bear Country got involved in a in a four-on-four match where their job was basically just to help the gun club and the acclaim break up. They didn't, they didn't get a lot of time to look good. They lost unceremoniously it was an afterthought that they lost i don't even know how bear boulder end up being a i missed bear boulder's entire incapacitation from that four on four match you'd think if there's a huge guy like bear boulder i would notice how the other four people take him out in order to secure a win in under five minutes but i just completely missed how that happened so poor use of bear country in my opinion on the most recent Dynamite, and that really tampered my expectations that Bear Country was going to have any chance against Private Party. I probably would have still guessed Private Party was going to win, but you should really... They're big. I know that AEW doesn't care about size, but you should at least care a little bit to make big guys important in some way. And I and I guess that 
if they're not going to be winning now, I guess you could say like, oh, well, by their size, they're always going to be treated as a legitimate contender. But I just, I, I just would have rather seen them do some more dark matches instead of, instead of getting beat as roughing it with Leon Leon Ruff and Leon Ruffin and uh, I can't even remember was Flago the fourth member, uh, just very very thrown together, very not good and then and then on top of that ass daddy turning on on his adopted ass boys, you just it, mm, it's a bummer. It was a bummer, and and I cannot hold any of that against Isaiah Cassidy. Or Mark Quinn and Mark Quinn's Pop Rocks beard is the only way I could describe it. It looked like he had Pop Rocks in his beard. But Bear Country continues. They look good. Taz and or Excalibur had a had a uh, a little reference about how if Bear Country gets any thinner, they'll be they'll become otters. And Taz did not get it. And just just shout out to you uh, mr mr excalibur mr man in the mask for for just throwing that in there that that was that was funny that was good but bear country still big they still do that thing where they pick up both of bear boulder picks up both of the guys at once that was I, I think was especially funny in this instance because a lot of times guys will just go wimp when they get stuck in that thing where where Bear Boulder has both of them. But Cassidy and Quinn actually emoted quite a bit, like, ah oh, fuck, hey, help me, help you, help me. So fun stuff, I think. And is, is that more is that move more impressive when Chris Statlander does it? Possibly. I certainly pop harder, but also they've done a better job. Somehow, d- despite the fact that the women's roster does not get the shine it deserves, Chris Statlander has still been made to look more impressive and more important than Bear Country. As she probably should. But Bear Country needs to be climbing up that ladder in the way that... Bears bears are surprisingly good climbers. I don't know if, if you know that. But they should be climbing more than they are right now. Sean Dean defeats Conan Lycan. Very good name. I like I like Conan Lycan as a name, and I actually liked Conan Lycan as a enhancement talent. He's a big dude. He looks strong. His name is a, a combination of a barbarian and a werewolf type, right? Isn't it lycan like a lycanthrope? Isn't that isn't that like the the fancy word for what a what a werewolf is? If it's something else, and I look real silly right now then I will be I will rue the day I made this a podcast where no research is done but it is a very intimidating sounding name to me I enjoyed this I think uh they talked about Sean Dean being in Top Gun I don't know if that was serious or not that's one of the problems with Taz and Excalibur not that there are many usually I enjoy them quite a bit but I have no idea whether or not that was a shoot that he's in Top Gun. Anyway, he beats Conan like in he does does a saluting splash as his finishing move. That's lousy. It's just I don't I don't like the whole saluting. I don't like 
the whole leaning into the troop thing. I think that's the wrong sort of direction for Sean Dean. And not only that, it's just a splash, right? The salute does not help it in any sort of way. He's just, we're led to believe that he's just more powerful because he's saluting. He's not even frog splashing. He's not even getting that pump to make it more powerful. Lousy, get get something else. Get something more realistic, Sean Dean, than a saluting splash. Oof. Then... Moving on, Jericho, the Jericho Appreciation Society, Angelo Parker and Matt Menard with Daniel Garcia defeat Jake St. Patrick and Sage Scott, who are 0-3 together. So good for them, I guess, that they get to continue to wrestle as the tag team that they, I assume they want to be a tag team. They're not just getting thrown together with different people every week. They've lost, but they've, they've been losing as in their iteration and they lost. In, like, no time in this one. I think I blinked, and and I might have gotten, like, a work email or something and missed this whole match. Parker and Menard are building up to something. I I think that the Jericho Appreciation Society is fun. It's good stuff. I don't think... Some people think that Menard and Parker are going to get too big for it soon, particularly Menard after that great promo video he did I think that they're perfect where they are I would not change a thing about them for the time being for the time being there may be a place in the future where they do something different but for now it's working so well don't change anything and here they are getting a, a, a win so that they don't look like total goofs because they are there that is to some extent their job is to look like goofs to keep chris jericho powerful and you know if that's what's going to be if they're going to get tossed around by eddie kingston if they're going to try to sneak out of the shark cage and then something terrible happens to them that we got we got a whole week before the shark cage so i'm going to save my thoughts on the shark cage until next week because i i I don't really have any, to be honest, other than it's worth noting that there's a shark cage involved because it's funny. It's funny. It's fun and it's funny. And it's sports entertainment. Willow Nightingale defeats Mila Moore. Hey, Mila Moore did not do anything special here. She mostly got beat up. But Hey, Willow Nightingale was in that position about a year or so ago. So if there's somebody you want to take tips from how to get out of that position, it was your opponent there who beat you pretty pretty decidedly. Willow Nightingale, they uh, this is why the win loss is so funny and they'll just like sort of use arbitrarily how they want to to find somebody cuz Willow's record was shown as 1 and 0 on AEW Dark which is just it's funny because th- that I guess technically that is true but I don't think that's been most of her matches she certainly had more than one match in AEW this year so you know make it however you want make her look powerful I'm not opposed to making her look powerful I thought it was great that they did her old ring entrance info that they used to do 
on the indies where they announced her as weighing in at just the right amount. I think that's fun for her to go back to that. I, I, I guess I could understand like if she wanted to move away from that for a while and she, you don't want that to be the defining thing about, about you that you want you want to be taken seriously. But I always thought it was cute. I thought it was fun and good for her. She is she's infectious, as was was said by Taz and Excalibur. People like Willow. I think Willow is going to go far in AEW. I think there's a lot that AEW can do with Willow, and I want to see all of it. Rohit Raju defeats Baron Black, and this was a. Uh, I, I don't I don't have much thoughts on this. I know that they're trying to build up Rohit Raju. I don't know if it's for Ring of Honor. I don't know if it's for the AEW. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him fighting TBS champion Wardlow in the coming weeks just to get him some TV time. I don't I don't know. There's just certain names that like if I just get if I just get too used to hearing your name in the context of impact it starts to sort of just dull in completely unfair ways. It's not fair for me to think of you as that as that type of guy. Oh, former X Division champion. I think. I think that's the thing about Rohit Raju. But it just I I don't know. I, I it just doesn't I can't explain it. Baron Black loses again. That poor guy, 0 and fifty. He's he's the true Fuego. What Fuego once was to become Baron Black has truly become they should give him a some sort of I don't know has anyone else lost 50 matches because they gave Jungle Boy and Sheeta both awards when they won 50 matches so I don't know if anyone else has lost 50 matches certainly somebody has to be close somebody in the factory They pro- it's probably a lot through tag team stuff but Baron Black his redemptive his re- his redemption will be a good story when it eventually happens. Plus, he's involved in Terminus. He seems to be having a good time with that. They seem to do more with him. I don't know how it involved. He's like up towards the top, and that's why he gets good good showings there. But Baron Black, best of luck to you. Angelico defeats Logan LaRue. I enjoy this. We're getting, I guess, a new, smoother music Angelico now. I would like to see him... Is he still part of the Andrade family order? Can anybody say for certain? Is Jorah Joel... Angelico, Jorah Joel, what, where are they? What is their... I, I like that they had them together for one match. I would be fine going back to that. I would also be fine with Angelico doing his own thing. I know people have a lot of strong feelings about him because of the work he did in Lucha Underground, and I appreciate that. But Tubi took away Lucha Underground before I really got into his stuff. So, And I know it's pretty early on. I watched Lucha Underground with the sort of casualness of somebody who thought it would never leave Tubi, and then it left Tubi. So... Now I do not have the same love for Angelico that a lot of people do, but I do like his his ring work. It's very interesting. It's a lot of it's a lot of 
catch style stuff, which when it's done correctly is a lot of fun. Logan LaRue, I have seen around Worcester, around the Indies. I think that Logan LaRue could be a very good character for AEW. I'd like to see more of him going forward. I think you could have him lose for a while, and then if they find the need for him, turn on the sort of entitled rich guy persona that he embodies on the Indies when he's Logan Easton LaRue from a very private... He, he has a very ridiculous, like build from like a like a, a gated community inside of a gated community or something like that. But I think that that could work especially if you don't know what's happening with MJF in the future if MJF could be on the way out. Without MJF, they do not have that uh rich asshole archetype that we love in wrestling. There's no rich guy that everybody is goofing on and 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 hating. And Keep keep Logan LaRue in your back pocket just in case you lose your other rich asshole wrestler. Dante Martin with Matt Seidel defeats Nick Camarado with Aaron Solo and QT Marshall. Dante Martin was never really in question here, but I think Nick Camarado is coming along very smoothly, very, very much like what he is doing. Dante Martin, friends with Matt Seidel. Uh, Lee Moriarty, friends with Matt Seidel. Dante Martin and Lee Moriarty, possibly friends. Who can say? At the end, Matt Seidel and Dante Martin are both being beat up by the factory. And who comes out but Lee Moriarty? Just kidding. It was Fuego. So that becomes the group at the end, but we know that Lee Moriarty is also part of this. I think that... Why not just put those four together? You don't have anything else for them right now. Give give those four a fun little thing to do. They can just be a fun little group of misfits who do cool moves. Call them the misfits who do cool moves. That's a perfectly good name for them. And I think that you don't have yeah, I don't think they have plans for any of them right now. And they keep bouncing who and who is not friends with Matt Seidel. Just keep it simple now. Keep it you know now where where we're at, what what we're doing. And you know that Lee Moriarty has to face Jonathan Gresham now, and Gresham has aligned himself with the Gates of Agony and Tully Branch Blanchard Enterprises. So, why not have them accompany that that trio that we saw at the end here? Why not have them accompany Lee Moriarty on Friday to the ring, just to keep things even or above even? Provided, but we don't really know. Uh, I know Brian Cage was supposed to be part of Tully Blanchard Enterprises, but we haven't. I don't think we've seen him since. So, maybe, maybe, yeah, that could be a four-on-four four that could help build up. Tully Blanchard Enterprises, because I don't think anybody would expect those four to win, but I think people would be excited to see those four try to win against that that fearsome foursome. And finally, we have Pac defeating Shota Umino in 18 minutes and 43 seconds. This was in jolly old England. 
who I like to make fun of, but they do have some fun chants. They get much more complicated than American-style chants because they do, like, he's a bastard to the tune of Oh My Darling Clementine. Or, uh, I don't know if... I don't know if the British call it "Oh my Gar- oh my darling Clementine." They may have a different song with that same, that same cadence and and rhythm uh, and melodies. That's the word I'm looking for. They may have a same another song with that same melody that's just called like the like a, oh the fishies of Wilkeshire killed my dad. I don't I don't know what what they what words they sing to that but i know it as an american as oh my darling clementine and that's a more fun than all american fans can pretty much only just do the one two three four or one two three that's all we get sometimes we get the seven nation army ones but those were also just sort of imported from <laughs> from the uk i believe so that it's it's uh it's fun. I'm glad that they use complicated ones instead of just leaning into. I assume you have to te- you have to spend time teaching British fans different complicated chants because if they are just left to their own untaught uh, devices, uh, they might just start uh, yelling slurs uh, as as they are wont to do uh, it, their footy matches. So. Good for them. Good for the the crowds. They were having fun. They loved this match. They were behind Pac. They were also behind Umino. A lot, a lot of fun here. I I was surprised by the ending. I thought that was a pretty pretty sneaky sis there by Tony Khan to have the countdown to Dynamite. Or the whatever the control room segment with Tony uh, Tony Schiavone at the very end of this dark because at first I was like oh this match is gonna go thirty minutes I, I and I sort of you know parts of it I stopped paying attention because I I knew how long was left in the episode of dark and then I was having fun and then they caught me totally off guard with Shota Umino losing in eighteen forty three seconds and then closing out the show with that control center segment. So, kept me on the edge of my seat. Certainly caught me off guard. I enjoyed that that little swerve that they gave me there. And, yeah, I think this is really a fun thing to do with the All-Atlantic title. It gave viewers of Dark and maybe people who wouldn't otherwise view Dark a chance to check in on what matches are like in the UK. I hope we get to see what they look like in plenty of other places in the coming months and years. I hope maybe eventually Andrade wins it and takes it to Mexico and we get to see some, I mean, talk about places where fans yell slurs. Gosh, please, no, please be nice fans. Uh, They, but they, they, uh, they could take it all over. It could spend some time in Japan. I'm sure Pac will go to Japan at some point. I'm hopefully he goes to like Germany. Hopefully he we we see all around. It, it, it opens up a lot of doors to just see get a a little bit of a check in on what things look like in a certain place. And 
I like it. I, I like the All-Atlantic title. I think that it, it helps make Pac look like a very serious competitor. I think that when the title was initially announced and the bracket was announced, it felt like it was Miro's to win because he needed a, needed a title or deserves a title, depending on how you look at it. And, yeah, it, I mean, it really, it, it also kind of looked like a thing that made sense with what Pac does and, like, the, the time he spends not in the U.S. and the issues he's had getting over to the U.S., giving him a title that he can travel around the world with is very cool. And it, and I think that it opens up opportunities for international. I mean, you, you got, when the title was announced at Revolution Pro, Rev Pro, I, uh, whatever they call their, uh, you know, uh, bangers and, and mash wrestling uh, company, whatever they call it, the, the crowd certainly got into an AEW chant when AEW's name was said. So there's clearly a lot of interest in AEW from other... We know that it's big in the UK. We know it's big in, big in Canada. I don't know about other places, but there's certainly a growing out, outside of the US market for AEW content, and the All-Atlantic title can certainly help make that more of a, of a part of AEW's brand. Oh gosh, I went on this whole rant earlier about how this is for the wrestlers, and now I'm going to close out mentioning AEW's brand. Jeez Louise. Well, we went a little long today, but hey, so did that episode of Dark, which was nearly two hours. So I don't feel that bad about how long we went today. And I got to enjoy the lovely acoustics, hopefully, of this recording studio and how it sounds to you, our very nice listeners. Please make sure to follow, subscribe. We're on Apple Podcasts now, in case you didn't know, if that makes it easier for you to subscribe, if it makes it easier for you to listen. We're also on Spotify and Anchor. And also, you can find us on Twitter, at Dark Elevation. And by us, I mean me, Dirk Elevation. And I promise, I if you want the, if you want the tweets about stuff that happens on Dark, I don't really tweet about what happens on Dark there. Maybe I should, but I save that all to come off the dome when I'm talking to you, my nice friends of the world of the podcast. But if you want to hear my opinions on WWE and AEW at large and other things about wrestling that maybe don't fit into the format of this show because I cannot tangentially reach them, or maybe I wanted to talk about them and then I didn't go on the correct tangent, and as we said, I don't write down notes, but I do write down tweets. So if you want all of my thoughts about everything and you want to know when this comes out even though i've been pretty clear about when it comes out it's it has a very there's a very small window of time when it can come out but all that to say if you're having fun if you enjoyed this please be sure to check it out at dark elevation on twitter and listen and uh all the reviews and stuff like that do all of that stuff I, I See, I don't like to talk about branding, and I felt bad about ending on branding, but by ending on branding, it helped me remember that it that I had to close out the show by talking about the thing. I never remember to talk about any of these things that are important for a podcast. Like and subscribe, etc., etc. Branding. Let's go branding. Oh, that's, oh, that's a bad one. Somebody's made that one before. I, I, God, that was... Ugh. 